0: We are going to tee off 2022 with a new series. And so I had a little bit of time to, to think about this series in particular. Had a, had a few weeks to think about it. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a book that I didn't really know a lot about. And, and it's about a prophet that I didn't know a lot about. Um, his name is Haggai. And so he's what we would call one of the minor prophets. So that, it doesn't mean he was smaller than the other ones. Uh, he, he was just, his books are small. The, the minor prophets just didn't say as much. And so the book of Haggai is two chapters. And just a, a little bit about this book before we, before we jump in. It, it's known as the post-exilic writings. There's three books. So three prophets that came that, that wrote to the children of Israel after they were in exile. And so I want, you, I want to give you a little bit of a timeline of what's happening in this book. It's 2,500 years old. So it was written about 500 B.C. And so the timeline kind of goes something like this. Uh, You've got to see it to really appreciate the power that's in this book. And, and so before we read the prophecies, there's four distinct prophecies that Haggai gives in the book of Haggai to the children of Israel. And basically, long story short... I feel like no matter where you read in the Old Testament, there's like this same cycle that happens. God blesses his people so abundantly, and then they forget about it. (laughs) And they take all the blessing, and they use it on themselves, and then God sends prophets to say, hey... Your priorities are out of whack here. You've forgotten where all this good stuff has come from. And you're using it all on yourself. And you're not listening to me anymore. And, and I need you to repent. I need you to you know, go back and do the things you did at the beginning. Consider your ways. right? Like, and then lots and lots and lots of times the prophet was killed. right? Or, or, or was ignored or not listened to. And that's what makes the book of Haggai, I think, so powerful. Is all the major and minor prophets in your, in your Bible there... They listened to Haggai, and, and, and they, you know, they, they actually listened, and, and, but the whole book is basically that right there. It, it's, uh, they forgot about God, they were really blessed, they had more than they needed, and they just kind of took what God had told them to do and put it on the back burner. Right? They, had, they had stuff they wanted to accomplish, they had things they needed to do, but where it fits in history is critical. And so I want you to see kind of what happened leading up to this book. So around 606 B.C., God sends a prophet to the children of Israel and says, Hey, you need to, you need to repent. You need to turn, go back to your old... You know, and, and I think the heart behind all of it is that God wants to be close to his people. I don't think that God is legalistic. I don't think that God is just you know, wants to just hit everybody with a bunch of rules all the time. I think there's this gravitational pull when we get more stuff in our life. We start to trust the stuff and not the God who gave it to us. And it just happens. It happened all through the book of Genesis. The children of Israel, right? Like they, God delivers them from Egypt and then they get out into the wilderness and they forget how they got there. They, they want to go back to Egypt and, because they missed the food. They forgot about the slavery, and Pharaoh was killing their children and telling them when they could eat, sleep, and do anything. They were slaves. And, and so it's just this cycle happens. We get super blessed, and then sometimes if, if we don't have enough gratitude in our life, we forget where it came from. And this is happening in their life. And so they forgot about God. They're worshiping idols. They're, you know, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. God sends a prophet. They don't listen. And so now he sends another nation, the Babylonians. And so little by little, the Babylonians come in and start taking over the empire there. And so to to put it in modern day terms, if you got about 12 extra hours, there's a Netflix series called World War II in full color. All right. And I was on my back for like six or seven days. I watched it. And and so I, I, I know exactly how Nazi Germany started to take over the entire world. That was his goal. It's insane. And how countries that were once against him started, started actually becoming allies with Hitler. And, and so that basically happened to the children of Israel. But the enemy was the Babylonians. And they started small. They just took a little bit. The first, the first if you can imagine, if like the state of Florida got captured by another country. God, That'll never happen. But I'll just tell you, uh, that they better go somewhere else uh, before they try that. But, uh, but they took Judah that was small, it was more undefended, and then they took a little bit more and a little bit more over time. So 606 B.C., they take Judah. By 586 B.C., they've conquered the entire country. Jerusalem has been captured. The temple has been destroyed. So their highest building in the land has been destroyed. And they're exiles now. They're, they're, they're slaves under the Babylonian Empire. And that goes on for decades So they don't, they lost their freedoms. They lost everything that they had. And then around 538 BC, I want you to see this, a guy named King Cyrus of Persia allows the Jews to go back to their homeland, to Jerusalem, and start rebuilding the temple that was destroyed by the Babylonians. It's pretty amazing. And so again, we see this God, you know, in in his, not that he sent the Babylonians, but he allowed it. And they came in, and and it got his people's attention. And they repented. And they said, all right, God, we we want the freedom back, right? We want to go back home. And so this king, God gives them favor of this king. They go back, and they start building. But this is what happens. They lay the foundation of the temple, and then they stop. So they get this freedom. The king of Persia allows them to go back and begin building. And they get a few months under their belt, and then they just stop. For 15 years. They stop. And then God sends this guy named Haggai. The prophet Haggai. He's around 70 years old. When he shows up. And he sees the temple in ruins. He sees the people of God distracted again. And he comes with four prophecies. To the people of Israel that were there at the time. Four, I want to call them encouragements. There's correction, he gives some correction. We're gonna look at all four over the next four weeks. He, but but at, the, at the very heart of what Haggai was doing, his name means festive. It's like, I kinda of like that, I don't know what it means, but I'm thinking a seven year old festive dude, just Paul, you know, he comes up with a word from God for these people. And, and, and he begins to, to bring them back to, to what was important. And I think if we could sum up the book of Haggai, it's doing the right things, At the right time for the right reasons the right things at the right time for the right reasons the children of israel got distracted they they got distracted they were doing they were doing work but it wasn't the work that god had called them to do they they were building some things but it wasn't god's house it was it was their house and so haggai steps up on the scene about 520 bc and I want to read you the first prophecy, Haggai chapter 1. We're just going to look at the first seven verses this morning. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, governor of Judah, to, to Zerubbabel, the governor, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you're never full. You're never satisfied. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages to put them in a purse with holes in it. Anybody ever felt like that? This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. So let's unpack this a little bit. The book of Haggai, which is only two chapters, is really explained in detail in the book of Ezra. And so in this prophecy, there are some things that God says that don't make sense to me. One of the things is you're, you're paneling your houses. Did you see that? You catch that? You're, you're, you're making your house super pretty. you got all these great panels in your house, right? you got the, the uh, tongue and groove, you know what I'm saying? And, and then my house doesn't even have walls. And so the reason that that's there, we find out in Ezra that there was some wood from Lebanon that was donated that was supposed to go to the temple. Well, you know what they did? They took the wood that was supposed to be used for the church, and they started lining their houses with it. And so God said, "Hey, I seen that. <laughs> you know, uh, by the way, yeah, I, I know this, this, this. wood was donated by me, and, and now you're 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 sprucing up your house with it. Looks great, but mine don't have walls. So, so again, it's 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 pri- it's a priority thing. And I, and at face value, when when we you know we read these first seven verses." the real like the like a part of me just wants to go straight into misplaced priorities that's what it really seems like like that they have just been blessed with all this god delivered them out of the hand of the babylonians put them let them go back home gave them everything they need to rebuild the, the temple which is why god sent them there and then they start building their own houses they start putting that resources into their own stuff and so there's like at, at surface value it looks like wow these folks have got some misplaced priorities, right? And that'll preach right there, y'all. You know what I'm saying? It's the first of the year. I, we could come in here and start clotheslining ourselves on, on priorities that are out of whack. I think everybody has that area in their life. You know, we all I have that closet in my house that I hope nobody ever opens. You know what I'm saying? I mean it, it, you might something might fall on in you and knock you out, you know what I'm saying like it's I know I need to clean it, it's there, but I just you know something else always comes up, surf is up, right? Fish to catch or something to do. Anyways, misplaced priorities, but before we start clotheslining ourselves and others, we got to ask the question why? Why? Why did they have this miraculous just just deliverance out of the hand of the Babylonians they've got all the resources they need and why did they stop building God's house and and again let me just put this in here it has nothing to do with the building at face value you know if we go back 2,500 years ago what the temple was that was where the people met with God you know now in the New Testament it, it says that God's presence is everywhere right you're the temple Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, according to Paul in Corinthians. And so now the presence of God is inside of you. Your heart is the holy place. But then it wasn't like that. The building was important. That was where the community gathered. That was where you went to worship. That was where you went to experience the presence of God. And so the indifference that God had towards his people was not about the building. It was the fact that they stopped caring about his glory. They stopped caring about his presence. They stopped asking him, right? I feel like when we come to church, that's what we do. We ask God, I get, what do, I, you know, do I go right or do I go left? You know, it's how we lead our lives. His words, a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. We, we come to get direction. We come to, to, to take our big questions that people can't answer in our life to the God that who, who can. And they stop doing that. For 15 years, they stopped caring about the condition that the temple was in, and it was just a reflection of the condition of their heart. It wasn't about the building. It wasn't about the, the nice wood. It wasn't about built, you know padded pews. We got a great, this, this is an incredible place to come and worship. But it wasn't about that. It was about the routine. It was about the rhythm of meeting with God. And they didn't do that and so we have to ask the question why before i mean I, I could give you three ways to get your priorities straight or three ways to to itemize what's important and what's not you can google that there's millions of ways to do that but i want to really the first thing i want to ask ourselves is why did they stop i heard a story about a retired gentleman they would sit on his front porch. I'm gonna call him Mr. Jones. And Mr. Jones and would sit on the front porch and the whole neighborhood would come by and they would visit with Mr. Jones. He was widowed, he was by himself, retired. And so everybody loved Mr. Jones. He was just full of wisdom. Everybody came by to say, hey, they took the kids by the house. And so they noticed, so about a week went by and Mr. Jones's newspapers were piling up in the front yard and the yard didn't get mowed. And so naturally the HOA sends them a letter right and so he gets a letter about the newspapers in the mail and then a few weeks go by and now the yard is like four foot tall and so the HOA sends another letter Mr. Jones mow your yard time keeps going by nobody sees Mr. Jones he gets another letter from the HOA because he's just not you know he's not keeping his yard the way it needs to be kept and so finally somebody decides to call police Because Mr. Jones is typically out, you know, he's out front every day, and his priorities are all out of whack, clearly. His house is falling apart, his grass is knee-high, newspapers are stacking up, mails coming out of the front of the mailbox. Well, they found out Mr. Jones fell in his house, and he was alone. And Mr. Jones couldn't do those things for himself anymore. And they found out when they went in that Mr. Jones had passed away. And it's really easy to look at the externals of somebody's life and point fingers and say hey man your priorities are out of whack there hey check your mail hey mow your yard (laughs) and it seems like that's what's happening in the book of haggai that god sends his prophet to to start pointing out in their life things that weren't right but i'm finding in life that is really easy to do and it's just cheap right most people know where their priorities are out of whack. Like, like if, if you could just sit down with somebody, have a coffee, get to know a person, they know exactly where that closet is in their house that's filthy that needs to get organized. They know exactly where those things are. But the real question is, Mr. Jones, why aren't you getting your paper? Why aren't you checking your mail? Why aren't you mowing the lawn? Because there's unseen things happening in his life that we didn't know about. And when I looked at this book, y'all, again, I don't have an extensive knowledge of, of, of Scripture. So I started researching and wondering, why did they stop? And, I, and, I, and that's when I went into the book of Ezra. In the book of Ezra, chapter 4, is a whole chapter of what was happening when Haggai showed up and why the people stopped for 15 years. I want to read it to you. It says this. This is the hidden work that was going on that nobody's seen. That the people around them set out to discourage the people of Judah, and made them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials. You hear this? They bribed people in leadership. They hired lawyers to frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's 20 verses of a letter that these people that were behind. You don't even hear about them in the book of Haggai. But they hired lawyers they went to the county right they went to the city officials they called the governor they're going to they're they're going as far as they can go to stop the people from building and doing what god has called them to do and i want to ask you do you have any unfinished work in your life that maybe you gave up or set aside because it just got too hard is there anything in your life that maybe God's called you to do that when you started going down that path, it got so difficult that it was easier just to turn around and go back? And that's what's happening here. And a lot of times we just want to treat the symptoms. Hey, your priorities are out of whack. You need to stop doing this. You need to stop doing that. You need to get your act together. You need to start going here. You need to start going to church. So You know, like, like, like we, we, we try to treat the symptoms But underneath the surface, there was a fight going on. There was this unseen work in the lives of these people that nobody knew about. And not only was there this discouragement, not only was that going on, they wrote a letter from a lawyer to the king, the one that gave them the freedom to go and start building, and said, hey, if you don't shut these people down, they're going to build an army and come and take over your kingdom. That's what the letter basically says in Ezra 4. And then at the end of the letter, check this out. This is what the king responds with. As soon as a copy of the letter was given to the king and was read, the secretary and their associates, they went immediately to the Jews in Jerusalem and compelled them by force. So now they're showing up with weapons. And I'm finding a lot of time people that are struggling... Or people that have, on the outside, it looks like their priorities are not where they should be. There's a hidden fight going on in their life that you don't know about. Nine times out of ten, they're fighting an addiction that they can't even talk about. And it was passed down honestly from great-granddad to granddad to them. Or they're fighting depression, and it's hard for them to get out of bed some mornings. And their work has slacked off. And they're not doing what they need to do. And it shows on the outside that their priority is route but there's an unseen work going on And here. And before we jump into this, this prophet Haggai who brings a lot of correction, he brings some really good things on how to get our priorities back in line, and we're going to go through those. We've got to pause and ask ourselves, is there an unseen work going on in my life? Right? Is, there, is there something that God has called me to do that I've left unfinished for years? Because as soon as I pick it up, it's like D-Day. It's like the gates come down and all hell just breaks loose. Maybe you don't have something like that in your life, but maybe you do. And these, the children of Israel went 15 years, y'all. 15 years. Knowing that God delivered them to rebuild the temple. Knowing that God distinctly called them out to do this specific purpose and they got distracted and i don't want that for you i don't want that for me right i i want to i want to do everything that god's called me to do before i die like i don't want to stand before god he'd be like hey man you did good but you know what there's this book i told you to write like when you were 12 You know what I'm saying? There's this business I told you to start and you just stopped because you couldn't find the capital or you couldn't find anybody to help you or somebody else opened a similar business across the street and you thought that you wasn't... You know, like we talk a lot about sins of commission, like committing sin, but we don't talk much about sins of omission. Stuff that we omit. Things that we just don't do. That we know we should do. And I think at the end of the day... And at the end of our lives, we're not going to look back over our life and rehearse the blunders that we made and the failures. Because I think, it, I think falling down on your face does you good every now and then. But it's the stuff that we didn't try. It's the shots that we didn't take. Come on, hunters. You know what I'm talking about. It's the deer you let walk and you knew you should have just blasted him. You know what I'm saying? And you thought, well, he'll come back or he'll get closer. It's the shots you don't take in life that'll haunt you. And so Haggai is just, you know, old festive Haggai showing up at 70 years old with a word from the Lord saying, hey, you got a beautiful house here. I like the paneling. Looks great. But let me go back 15 years and remind you of when Grandma spoke that over you. Or when your dad said that over you and you knew that I'm going to pursue my life doing this. And you just got off track. It's easy to do. My truck. I have an older truck. It's got about 200,000 miles on it, but I love it. It's a Tacoma. I'm, a, I'm like, I swear by Tacomas. They're just good trucks. They last a while. And uh, the past few years, I found my truck. What, what, begins, what was happening is it was like it was pulling to the right. You know what I'm talking about? When the alignment gets off. And so the older the truck has gotten, the more I've got to take it down to the to the shop and get it aligned. And I thought I didn't know if it was the tires. I didn't know what was going on. And so I asked I asked the mechanic. I said, "Why does this keep happening? Am I just you know do I need to buy different tires, whatever?" He's like, "No. A vehicle will get out of alignment for two reasons. Sudden impact, boom, right? You hit a pothole. But just normal wear and tear. Just every he's like, if you drive it every day." It has a lot of miles on it. That's just what happens. And I think in life it's similar. That as we live this life, we set out in a direction that we feel like God's called us to do. But just over time, we drift. For the children of Israel, it was 15 years. They showed up, fired up. They they poured the foundation. They were working until they weren't. And now here they are completely distracted. I mean, if you can think about the mood, they, they just we just read it. They, got, they feel like they're putting money in a bag with holes in it. They're eating good. They've got clothes. They've got plenty to drink, but they're not satisfied. Why? Well, it's not because they didn't have enough stuff. It's because they got out of alignment with their purpose. And I'm finding in life the most important thing that we can do is stay in alignment with our purpose. Because you can do a million good things. You can go and be a doctor, be a veterinarian, lawyer. There's all kinds of great things you can do with your life. But that doesn't mean that's what God has called you to do. And I think that what Haggai is doing here is he's saying, all right, folks, you got a little bit off of alignment here. Your life is, you're, you're, you're kind of, you're heading in a direction I never called you to head. And when they go in and they do the work on a vehicle, like all the alignment and the work that they do when a truck gets out of alignment, when my truck, it's all unseen. You don't see any of it. It's all of this is stuff that's done under the hood. Like you'll have no clue until you just, you know, the truck doesn't go where you're trying to get it to go. And so I think that this book and over the next few weeks, that's my prayer, is that our life stays in alignment with the purpose that God has for it. And you have a purpose you have a great purpose. I think that's one of the greatest things about Christianity is we're not just here to pay bills and die. Like It, 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 it reminds us, it, it's, 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 it's rooted and grounded in the fact that God has a purpose for every person. And sudden impact, right, and just life tends to pull us away from that. That difficulty is a part of it. That we got we, we to look under the hood every now and then. We gotta take inventory. We gotta make sure that things that we're, that our life is heading in the direction that God has called it to head. And this is tough to do. And so let's look at what let's look at what Haggai tells the children of Israel to do. Really briefly. It's just one verse. There's no great aha moment here, right? You know, there's three things that Haggai tells the people to do. Haggai 1, verse 8: go up into the mountains take your axe with you, bring down some timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. So what does that mean? Anybody want to take a shot? (laughs) I think this is what it means. First off, The the biggest, I think, overarching thing we see in that verse is that difficulty is necessary no matter what you do in life. I mean, does any of that sound easy to you? Has anybody ever climbed a mountain? Come on, like a few, okay. You ever climbed a mountain with an axe and got up to the top of the mountain and started hand chopping down trees and then carrying logs down the mountain to build a house? it just says work all over it work and I think that's the big like like what that's to me when I read that it wasn't any new revelation it wasn't some new all right God give us like a new new revelation give me something new here God said no I want you to go back and do what I told you to do 15 years ago grab the axe we'll climb up the mountain mow down the trees bring it back down and I feel like at sometimes, you know, in life, when you're on the right road that God has called you to, it, it doesn't always feel good. That, that difficulty, I think, is necessary. And they sat comfortably for 15 years and they found themselves in difficulty. And so now it's going to take some difficulty to get to where God is calling them to go. And it's just simple, but I think the the, the first thing that this verse tells us is it just says, take action on the last thing that God told you to do. That's what they did. God said, I want you to build my house. They took about a 15-year little hiatus. They built their house. It's nice and pretty. God didn't say they had to take the wood out of their house. He said, no, I'm going to let that slide. I'm going to let it slide. And I want you to get an ax and get up that hill and I want you to start making a priority what's a priority to me and again it wasn't a building it was building a place where they could meet with God it was getting back in this routine of, of of praying first they had gotten distracted they had got off the course right they were pursuing good things but not God things it's great to have a nice house it's great to have you know tongue and groove ceiling, right it's none of that is wrong but what happens is it becomes a distraction when we're doing it in spite of what god's called us to do and so maybe that that's why they couldn't enjoy the food they had and maybe that's why they felt like they had holes in the bottom of their bags and they just kept making money but it just kept flowing out the fastest fast as they made it it, it left it, again, it comes back to that purpose. So what is the last thing God called you to do? I don't know. Maybe he called you to forgive somebody in your life, and you don't even want to see that person. You show up at Walmart and you see them on the, on the aisle, like aisle 10, you're hitting the door. You're looking for their car in the parking lot. You just had to sit down and act like you liked them for the past month, right? At Thanksgiving and Christmas. And just, no, no, no. But, but anyways, maybe that's it. Maybe that's, or maybe God said, I want you to get out of debt. The credit cards are stacking up. This is hurting your life. You can't do what I've called you to do. And you've been talking about it for like 10 years. I'm fixing to. I'm going I'm to pay those things off. I'm fixing to do it, right? You ever met that person that's been fixing to for like 12 years? I'm, I'm fixing to. I'm, just, I mean, sign up for this Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University. We have it here at the church. And get out of debt. Like, take action. What is the next step? God always has one and and sometimes I think we can get super like infatuated with with something new like you know God give me a a new revelation give me a give me a new word right I need a new prophecy for 2022. I think God's saying well just do what I told you in 2021. pay off those bills forgive that person pursue that dream write the book enroll to the college maybe the last seven said no you're you can't get into this one well write the eighth letter to the eighth college right right just keep take action on the last thing that god told you to do because revelation builds like a ladder right we want this real high revelation god give me the top of the ladder stuff and god's saying no you got to take it one step at a time and if you miss what i told you last week don't expect something new this week it builds and so haggai just showed up and reminded the folks like he didn't bring some new revelation he just said hey you got distracted time to build and i think if 2020 and 2021 could be defined those were like pothole years you know what i'm saying those were sudden fast traumatic impact years And so I can imagine that there's a lot of people who your vehicle's out of alignment right now. You're heading in a direction you never thought you'd head. And you may be doing stuff you never thought you would do. You don't even want to do it. And so God said, I want you to bring it back into alignment. I want you to align your life with my purpose for you. And that starts, that starts with the house of God. It's simple. I feel like I say the same message every week. But you you just can't get away from the dailies. It's the daily routine, y'all. It's 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 the devotions every day. It's getting in the Word every day. It's if you have to wake up and wash your hair in the shower and you got or in the sink and you got thirty seconds right to get to your car and get well then just put on something that's going to feed your spirit in the car. Put on a worship song. Put I mean I mean you know there's like a million billion podcasts out there right right I mean there's so many things. Our spiritual life is built in the dailies. They got away from it for 15 years. They stopped doing that. They stopped feeding their spirit. They stopped listening to that worship music that they know is feeding them. Right? They stopped. They got out of that routine of meeting every week. They had nowhere to meet. And so maybe that's just the. I mean, I mean, maybe that's just the beginning. Maybe that's the next step for you. So what is God? What's the last thing God? told you to do and then if you don't know what that is just do the next right thing what's the next right thing I don't know I, I'll tell you this I've woken up in the middle of the night and ate a, ate a whole line of Oreos and felt bad about it you know what I'm saying? I have a bad habit of doing lines in the middle of the night of Oreos double stuffed but I've never woken up in the middle of the night or four or five in the morning and got out my Bible and read it and left the house and said I just wasted my time not once in our spiritual life is built into disciplines. Spiritual disciplines eventually become spiritual delights. I don't think your flesh is ever going to wake you up in the middle of the night and tell you to read your Bible. Probably not going to happen. I'm going to be watching Netflix and eating Oreos. That's what happens to me. But if just for a few days, right, if, we can just, if we're going to start this year off, I know that if you have a good life, a, a good start of your year spiritually, every other aspect in your life is going to fall in line with that. If you have a good spiritual year, you're going to have a good emotional year. You're going to have a good physical year. You know, and sometimes we just send, we set a lot of goals around those, the physical things, right? I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to drive by the gym and wave every day. Hey, you know, like, like we, we set all these goals and they're good set goals. That's awesome. But your spiritual life is the center, is the core, it's the hub. You're a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body. And so we focus on the most shallow part of us sometimes, which is our bodies. It affects our soul and our spirit. But at the core of who we are, we're spirits that are going to spend eternity with God. These bodies are going to stay here for a little bit or be resurrected. But these bodies are not the most important part of you. The most important part of you is your, your spiritual person, that spiritual life. And so what's the next right thing for you? I, I don't know. I know there's some toxic things that can really affect our spiritual life. I know that. I know unforgiveness is one of those. I know unbelief is one of those. I know that the devil's always whispering in my ear that God isn't good. I mean, that's, that's just me. God just left you out here to figure it out on your own. You're by yourself on this planet, spinning around the sun, figure it out. But it's backing down that voice of fear and feeding the voice of faith in your life. Nothing does that greater than the Word of God. Nothing does that greater than worship, and not just when we're here together, but every day. I want to challenge you. These 21 days of fasting and prayer starting next Monday. I want to challenge everybody in here to do to do something. Now, I don't. I don't you don't have to do a full fast, right? That's like kind of big time, but it could just be a. It could be like a, a social media fast right? I'm going to lay down Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. We got all these things now. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to lay it down for a few days. And instead of getting on my phone and scrolling for a few hours, I'm going to get on my phone and read. Or I'm going to listen to the Bible. Like, like, I mean, it's, it's taking these unhealthy habits that we all tend to form that get us off of our purpose and off track and replacing them with healthy habits. That's what we're gonna do. And here's the last thing. We're gonna, I'm gonna give the last, y'all coming up here. I haven't spoken in a while, so I've got some notes. So I'm going to, like, like, it's, it's a, I've been just building this one up. This is what I think is at the very heart of the book of Haggai. And this is what I hope we capture over the next few weeks as we look at this book together. Is again, it's, it's on the surface level, God is telling them to rebuild this building. He's saying that the temple is in ruins. He's like, you know, my house doesn't have walls. I want you to rebuild this house. But at the heart of what God was asking him to rebuild, in my mind, is a passion for the presence of God. Like I want want that in your life. I want you to want to be with me. That's what he says in verse 7, chapter 1. He says, I want you to build my house so that I can be honored and so that my glory can fill it. And that's what God desires to do for every person, for you. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to speak to you. I mean, Jesus said that, you know, like we have a friend that sticks closer, that a brother is always with us. The last few things that Jesus said when he left, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house, there's a lot of mansions. And I'm going to prepare, prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And until that point... I'm never going to leave you, and I'm never going to forsake you, but sometimes life just gets us off out of alignment, and it's not that God isn't still in His, in His holy sanctuary because He is. It's not that God doesn't want to meet with us. It's just we can get off track. It happened over and over with the children of Israel, and that's why I think fasting and kind of a, a call back to repentance and prayer, it seems like the same message over and over, but it It works. Repentance just means to turn. That's what that word means. It just means to turn. It's not an ugly word. It's not a nasty word. It just means I was driving east. I think I'm going to try driving west now. Some of you, you've been driving east, and maybe God's just calling you to take a turn, make a change. You know exactly what it is. You know exactly, It shows up on your list every year. give you the, the tools to help you overcome those things. I want to give you the tools to get you back on track in alignment with the purpose that God has for your life. I feel like that's why I'm here. It's not so much to be a pastor. I, I like to preach and I love people, but I feel like my call is to help people find their purpose. Because when people find their purpose, everything else in their life will just fall into place. When people are not living towards their purpose or they don't even know they have one, like, God has a purpose for my life? I just thought I was floating around out in the middle of the ocean, like, waiting on a fish to bite. Like, I, I mean, I I don't know. Like, you know, it's crazy that God, God has a purpose for your life. And when that stuff starts to come to the surface and we start finding those things and we join with God in that work, our life changes. Nobody has to tell you to stop doing bad things. You just stop because you found something greater. Something greater. Let's close our eyes. And pray. Father, we thank you so much for your presence that we know is in this place right now. I thank you that every person that's here this morning that's listening, you've created them in your image. And according to Ephesians 3, you've created every person in here for good works that was formed before they even existed on this planet. You have a specific purpose. Dreams, vision, books, businesses. You've put cities on people's heart in here. You've put geographical regions on people's heart. You know you need to go to Haiti. You know you need to go to Nicaragua. You know you need to go to Europe. There's a reason why there's this drawing there and you know you need to go. Awaken the dreams and the passion and the purpose in our heart, God. When life gets blurry, when we get out of alignment, Lord, remind us of that vision, of that glory that you have for every person in here when we join and work with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would uncover those things may have been sitting dormant for 15 years, stir us up, Lord. Stir our hearts for the things of God. Stir our hearts, Lord, for you. If you just, every head bow, every eye closed, if you're here and you say, you know, Nathan, I feel like you're talking to me life is nowhere where I thought it would be right now and I feel like I'm a hundred million miles away from my purpose I started out in the right direction but I got off track and I want to come back I want my life to be aligned with God's purpose if that's you I just want you to raise your hand I want to pray for you just put your hand up I want to pray for you I want my life to be aligned with God's purpose thank you Thank you. I want my life to be aligned with God's purpose. Thank you. God bless you. You can just put it down, up and down. Thank you. God bless you. I'm ready for an alignment. I see. thank you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, pray this. If you put your hand up, if you didn't, Holy Spirit, bring my life into alignment with your word. Lord, let me be a worshiper. God, let me be hungry for you. Lord, I turn, I repent, I've made some mistakes. I feel like I'm far away from you. But Lord, in this moment, I wanna come home. Give me fresh purpose, God, fresh vision. In Jesus' name, amen.